Come on, church, if you're thankful at all of our campuses that ours is a God who is never failing, ours is a God who is worthy of all of our praise, ours is a God who is steadfast. Thank you, Lord. Praise His name. Wow. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, um, what a great song. God, thank you for who you are. And God, if we were honest with ourselves, we would just acknowledge, or at least I would, God, that I'm not good at waiting at times. And God, we, we need your patience, and we need an awareness from you that it's in the waiting, God, that you often want to do your greatest work. It's in the waiting, God, where you often want to transform us to receive the next blessing that you have in our lives. God, take our focus off of the next blessing. Take our focus off of what we need and teach us to ask you, to seek you, to, to find out what you're trying to show us and do in us in the waiting. God, thank you for this series. Thank you for your word, the way you've been teaching us in Philippians 4. To be anxious for nothing. Take courage, my soul. It's in the waiting. God, as we turn our attention to your word right now, we just yield to you, Father God. We, we let you know that it is our heart's desire to have your scriptures be the ultimate authority in our lives. So speak. Speak. Use my lips, oh God. If I say anything that is not of you, let it fall by the wayside. But that which is of you, oh God, would you let it pierce hearts? Would you let it illuminate minds? Would you be glorified in this word? We pray it in Jesus' name. And the people of God at all of the New Hope campuses said together, come on now. Amen. Amen. Praise his name, church. Come on. Celebrate him. You may be seated. You may be seated. How's everybody doing? Everybody good? Man, it is so good to be with you today. Welcome to all of our campuses. We are thrilled that you would be with us today. I do just want to say, um, and I know that all the campuses engage video teaching every week with the exception of Durham, but I just want to say to the Durham campus and all the campuses, but particularly the Durham campus, uh, thank you. I heard uh, very clearly how you engaged video teaching last Sunday so that I could be in my hometown and preach to my home church. Uh, Jesus said that a prophet is not welcome in his hometown. Have you ever heard that verse? Um, they didn't run me out of town. Uh, I was welcomed and I had an incredible experience. And then I, I spoke to the men on Tuesday night and uh, saw something like 24, 25 men give their lives to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It was just a great trip, but I want to thank you for engaging video teaching. I've said this before, but I haven't said it in a long time. In my opinion, um, video teaching exceeds and is better than live teaching because you're able to see all kinds of facial expressions. And it's really weird at Durham, I'm teaching often and I'm looking at you, but many of you aren't looking at me. 
It's really weird. You're looking at the screens. And uh, just thank you for being a church that, that did that and will continue to do that as the need uh, surfaces. I know it's already been mentioned, but um, I'm gonna say it really quick. Guys, we are in an amazing season right now in the life of our church. We have Vision Day coming up. You wanna get your free T-shirt. You wanna be here. We got an awesome T-shirt for you, but Vision Day is coming. That is on Super Bowl Sunday as well. And here's an idea. Wear your football jersey. And then we give you a t-shirt and you take that off and put your New Hope t-shirt on. Don't take it off in the worship center. Good Lord, go to the bathroom. Anyway, and then, hey, marriage. Is marriage not great? Guys, you were supposed to, guys, you were supposed to, yes, awesome. Um, it's, it, but, it's, <laughs> but it's hard work. It's hard work. That's why you don't wanna miss this. You don't wanna miss the XO Conference. Clayton King is one of the premier international speakers for the gospel uh, on the planet today. His wife, Cherie, is awesome. They're coming to speak to us at the Durham campus, all campuses. We're inviting you here. You don't want to miss it. We're all in one space. So if I were you, I would register now. I would text XO to 59769, or when you get home, we might run out of space. So um, I want to give you a, a question as we get going here today. What is the antidote to anxiety. What is the antidote to anxiety? If you're new here, we're in part three of a series where I can honestly say I've never seen such engagement in the life of our church. Um, and it also gives me a chance to say if you're at a campus with multiple celebrations and you are crowded, please, please, please come to the early celebration. It means a lot, and so it helps us create space. We've added uh, lots of seats to different campuses, including this one, and we're trying to make room for everybody, but just come to that early celebration. We're on anxiety. What is the antidote to anxiety? An antidote, as you know, is something taken or given as a remedy or to counteract a particular illness or poison, right? That's what an antidote is. In medical terms, it's a remedy. So what is the antidote to anxiety? That's really what we've been trying to get at the last few weeks. And it's a four-part series, so you'll see in just a moment, I'm actually offering you four antidotes to anxiety. It's why every single installment in this series is important. It's why I said uh, day one that if you should be anxious about anything, it's about missing one of these sermon series. Because it is that important, and they build, and I can't go back and rehash every week. So I encourage you, if you haven't made them, go back and watch week one or week two. You can go to our YouTube channel, just Google, uh, I mean, just search my name or the church's name, or you can go to our website, newhopechurch.org, catch up, but I'm offering us four antidotes, and here's why. Anxiety disorders amongst American adults are the most common disorder in our country, 18%. 40 million adults admit to struggling and suffering with anxiety. It has now surpassed depression and all other disorders. Anxiety disorders have jumped more than, what's that amount, church? More than 1,200% in the past three decades. World Mental Health Organization says that the U.S. has more anxiety than 14 other countries. 
14 other countries, including Nigeria, Ukraine, and Lebanon. Apparently in America, we have a lot more to worry about than poverty, civil war, and terrorist bombings. We are bombarded with this. And clearly, clearly, a lot of what we worry about from time to time is mere fiction, right? I think Skip Hersig put it right when he said this, if you don't live with an anchor of faith, you will drift in a sea of anxiety. Why don't you read that out loud with me? Because that one needs to sell into you. Ready? Go. If you don't live with an anchor of faith, you will drift in a sea of anxiety. You guys sound great. Now, as I've said every single week, I'll say it again today, and I want to go ahead and warn you, I might say it next week because it's so, it's so important to me that you hear this because I think the church has done a really bad job with this in the last 30, 40 years. It's this. You can have anxiety so bad where you need medical attention. There's no shame in this game. We are a judgment-free zone. Listen, if you need that, you get that. I've always said, be careful. Be really careful. Find you a solid Christian counselor. There are some great counselors and there are some not so great counselors. We have a list for you. If you need that, you just call the front office. We have a, an approved list that I've kind of vetted and, and researched, but there's no shame in this. Also, there's medical, I mean, a medication that you might, you might need. It's okay. It was, it was Henry Nouwen who said, grace is seeing yourself as God sees you. One of, the, one of the things I think we have to do in the Christian community more and more is learn how to be gracious with ourselves with ourselves. And so if you need that, you need to take advantage of that. That is okay. But without God's help and without God's word, the root of anxiety will continue to grow. It's a physical issue. And as I said, it's okay to seek help if you need it. But what I'm trying to point out in this series is that anxiety is a spiritual issue. And if you will apply what we're learning in Philippians 4, you will see your anxiety levels go down. I can promise you. If you remember the very first week, let me show you these four antidotes. We talked about celebrate. You guys remember that? Celebrate. What exactly did I challenge you to celebrate? In the midst of anxiety, in the midst of living in a very anxious world, I challenged us to celebrate certain theological truths, remember? And I actually brought up two pillars and I shared how the truth is, if we are going to bring down anxiety and start to experience the peace of God, we have to learn to plant ourselves right between these two theological truths. One, God is good. Amen? I'm, I'm kind of way back here, so I, I really need to hear you. I don't really hear you that well. God is good. Amen? Yes, yeah, there it is. God is good. And God is in control. God is in control, and we can get off on these. We can, and I confess that we can, you know, I sometimes struggle with this. We can get off on this when the world seems to be out of control. We can assume God is not in control. But listen, if you want to bring down anxiety, bring down depression, you learn to anchor yourself right between these two theological truths. You learn scriptures about these truths, and you regularly remind yourself, God is good. All the time. All the time. <laughs> right? Celebrate. A, part two. 
part two. Talked to you about this last week. If you missed it, go back and get it. Ask. Ask. And the whole thrust of this message, you'll remember, is ask with specificity. Take your petitions and your requests. That's scripture. We'll see that in a moment. Come before God. Do the hard work. It's so easy. I'm so guilty of this. It's so easy to pray broad, general prayers. Like, God, you're awesome. The world's jacked up. Take care of it. <laughs> I mean, you know, because the more you lean into the sovereignty of God, the more if you're not careful, you'll say, well, God knows it all, so I don't really need to pray. No, 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 no. What Philippians 4 teaches us is to, to do the hard work. Get into the roots of what's going on inside of you. And, and, and pray specifically about what you need. And just like a good parent will take their child when they're trying to get out what they need and they'll tell that child, use your words and help me understand. And then when your child does that, a good parent is gonna do everything she or he can do to serve that child the same way our Heavenly Father does with you. Name specifically. Now, the antidote this week is list. Everybody say list. It's list. That will make a lot more sense when I'm done today. Now, you're smart people, so you've already figured out I'm forming a word here. And what's the word? Say it again. If you will apply and you'll take these four weeks of this series, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. And if you need some extra help beyond that and you go get that, I promise you, you will see anxiety come down. List. Now, I'm not going to tell you what M is today. You got to come on back next week. But we will wrap it up next week. Are you ready for the word? I said, are you ready for the word? All right, Philippians 4. Have you memorized this passage? Trying, that's a great answer. The very first week, I encouraged you. I encouraged you, memorize this. Put it on index cards or just Cut it out, print it off, cut it, put it in multiple places. Memorize this passage. It will help in this series. Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Here we go. Rejoice in the Lord. When, church? I will say it again. What? Paul's like, dude, some of you are not going to get it the first time. Rejoice in the Lord. When? Always. Oh, yeah, for those hard-headed people like Benji. Let me say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is where? Like we sang about, or he's in the waiting. He's in the delivery. He's everywhere. He was here before you got here today. Come on now. He'll be here when you're gone. The Lord is near. Well, you guys are so into it. Come on, let's read it out loud, right? I can tell you won't do. Go. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now hold that there, hold that there for a moment. This was, this was the week where we talked about ask. By prayer and petition, present your PPR, remember? PPR. What's the, what are these two words right here? With thanksgiving. Let's continue. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is, whatever is, whatever is, whatever is, whatever is, whatever is, come on. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. 
Here's my sermon in a sentence. Are you ready? Here it is. In one sentence, gratitude is an antidote for anxiety. Gratitude is a remedy. It's a cure for the toxic condition of anxiety. In fact, I believe the quickest route to root out worry is to double down on gratitude. Did you hear me? The quickest route to root out anxiety is to double down on gratitude. Here's why. Gratitude and anxiety cannot occupy the same space at the same time. They just can't. They cannot coexist. Let me tell you a story. And I just want to tell you on the front end of telling you this story. This is going to upset some of you. Particularly you Carolina fans. Or you state fans. Or you Gamecock fans. Or North Carolina Central or whatever. I'm not telling you this story to highlight Duke. I don't hardly ever talk about Duke from this stage unless it is to celebrate them. I don't hardly ever use them as a teaching example. Are y'all with me? Is anybody walking out of any of the campuses? Stay put, just listen, just listen. Can we not agree that Coach K, Coach Krzyzewski, is a basketball legend? Carolina fans, can you at least admit that? No. <laughs> he is the winningest coach of all time. They have won over 1,000 games and five national championships. And I know one of his secrets. I've had the opportunity to be in a small group with him and his coaching staff. In 2015, you might remember that Duke won their fifth national championship. That was an amazing run, if you'll remember, but it's not what happened on the court that I believe made it possible. True story. What happened behind the court, in the locker room, if you will, was Coach K taught them, as he did, as he does most years, the power of gratitude. And he asked every single player to take a basketball, which he handed them, with a permanent marker, and said, I want you to sit down, and I want you to write on this basketball every person for which you are grateful, every person for whom you are grateful that has blessed your life, that has helped you along the way in your athletic career or just in your life in general. And the players started writing down the names of people. Some of them even wrote down certain events for which they were grateful for. As Coach K told about this story, this became a very significant event for the team that year. They started carrying their basketballs around with them. They would go to dinner with the team and they would have their basketballs with them. Somebody would come to mind or somebody would bless their life and they would put that person's name down. There are multiple things that Coach K said that gratitude helps them with. It helps you be hopeful. It helps you realize that we have an agency. It helps you expand your possible responses to tough situations. But the most important thing that Coach K said is that gratitude enables a person to develop great Resilience, great resilience. And anxiety is caused by difficult situations usually. And you're never gonna make it in this world if you don't develop some resilience. They, they call it the broaden and build theory. The broaden and build theory. 
Most of us know this from practical experience, but come on. We feel better, we perform better, and we respond to life's ups and downs better when we are grateful. This is key. Gratitude does more than make us feel good. It helps us become more resilient. And Coach K is one of the greatest coaches of all time for many reasons, but one, I'm telling you, it's one of his best kept secrets, is that he trains those kids, those young men becoming men, in the practice and the discipline of gratitude. Very important. Coach K has figured out Philippians 4, 6, and 7, which we looked at earlier within the broader passage. Let's, let's look at it now in isolation. Ready? Go. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. With what, church? Thanksgiving, present your requests to God. What am I calling you to do today before I unpack what this does for you? I'm calling you to be thankful, to learn to practice the discipline of gratitude. Be thankful for the day you have. Amen? Be thankful for the night you have. Be thankful for the sleep that you're going to get. If you don't sleep, be thankful for the time that you can pray instead. You learn to be thankful every single day such that if you will start practicing that, and you all know that, you've heard the research, it takes about 30 days. Some people say 45 to 60 days. It takes about that long to form a habit. If you will apply what the Word is teaching us today, before long, gratitude and thanksgiving will actually become a habit. And come on, is there anything better than being around a person who is grateful? Is there anything more miserable than being around someone who is ungrateful, entitled, and they all have this Eeyore complex where the world is falling and life is hard. Let me give you some, some key teachings on this one word, thanksgiving or gratitude that I am using interchangeably. Gratitude or thanksgiving is a spiritual discipline and an offensive weapon for your own, own growth. I want to share with you what I have found under five critical realities regarding Thanksgiving. I hope you have your teaching notes. I hope you have your pen. I hope you're ready to go get this. Amen? Amen. Number one, gratitude changes our perspective. It literally changes our perspective. Anxiety looks ahead while thankfulness looks back. It allows you to live in the world of already rather than not yet. Gratitude has this magnetic pull toward the present blessings as opposed to future fears. I have been around some of the most negative and dysfunctional people on the planet. And what's fascinating about them is that they have this tendency to focus on the negative instead of the positive. It is one of the most miserable existences on the planet. Anxiety is a future fear. Hello. 
Gratitude is a pillar in your past. Hold on to gratitude. There has actually been a good bit of research on gratitude, and it has so many positive benefits in our lives. If, if we could put it in a pill, it would be a wonder drug or a miracle drug. Thanksgiving actually helps us get better sleep, which means less fatigue, which means less depression. Thanksgiving gives us an opportunity to better our physical health. Research shows that it can actually reduce inflammation on a cellular level. Thanksgiving changes your perspective. Write this in, this is really important. Happiness does not make you grateful. Uh, some of you will get, you'll, you'll start to get mixed up right away. I gotta, I gotta be happy and that will make me grateful. No, 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 no. Rather, it is gratefulness that makes you happy. So important. Gratitude is simply recognizing that God is good and that you have been given so much that the life you have is a gift even if it has hardships, that there is an existential source out there, that is God, and God is giving us everything that we have. And listen, men, can I just speak to the man for just a moment? Men struggle with this a little bit more than women because we don't like to take things from anybody. We like to make it on our own, if you know what I mean, right? We're tough, we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. No, we don't, guys, number one. Number two, this is a, a part of humility to realize that even though we haven't earned it, God has been good to us. Can I get a hearty amen from the men? Amen. Yeah, oh, that fires me up right there. <laughs> Number two, write it in. Gratitude creates, oh my Lord, a mindset of abundance. Gratitude creates a mindset of abundance. I want to show you the Greek word for gratitude, and I want to do a little word study with you here today. First of all, I want you to see if you can find the English word that we got from it. Here's the word. Here's the word. Eucharistius. Eucharistius. Do you see it? What is, what is the English word that, that we've got that some of you know, particularly those of you who came out of the Catholic Church, and some of you hear me refer to it from time to time. Do you see it? It's Eucharist. It's Eucharist. The Eucharist is a sacrament, it's the Lord's Supper, it's God's good gift. And so it might be a little stretch, and the Catholics would disagree with me here, and I'm admitting on the front end that it is a little stretch, but I would say that thanksgiving is really, really close, if not sacramental. It's that important. Now let me show you another important word inside Eucharistus. Look at this, look at this, you see it? It's charis. Some of you have children named, girls named Karis, or some of you have probably met a person named Karis. It means grace. It means grace. And grace comes from where? The outside. Grace is something that we didn't earn. Again, guys, we can't earn this, but we can learn to be grateful for it. Amen? There's this third word inside gratitude. Let me show you this word. It's kara. Kara. And that means what? Joy. 
Joy, now just stick with me here for a moment. This is really, really important. Gratitude helps us bring down anxiety and increase calm by remembering grace is what you receive, hello, and joy is what you experience. The power of thanksgiving, the way in which you bring down your anxiety and you increase your calmness in life is to live within these two theological truths, kind of like God is in control and God is good. I am thankful for the grace of God. Where would we be without the grace of God? It comes from outside. When I live in this perpetual, habitual state of gratitude and thanksgiving, I have something far greater than happiness. Happiness is shallow. I have a joy, a deep-seated joy that wells up inside of me. And it doesn't matter how hard life gets, I know that my God is faithful. And not only is he faithful here and now, when I've approached death, he's faithful to receive me into heaven for ever. Thanksgiving, and this kind of came to me this week, and I've never actually said it like this, but I think I would argue with any theologian about it. Thanksgiving can and should be sacramental. It is that important. And when when we get the outside, the grace, working with the joy on the inside, when we get the outside of our lives and the inside in harmony, working together, That's when gratitude truly starts to overflow and we become joyful, calm people in the midst of a very anxious world. So important. Number three, number three, I'm gonna move pretty quickly today. Gratitude is what you give. You say, what? Gratitude is what you give. There is spiritual power in gratitude. However, even if you are a pre-Christian, if you're not even a Christian yet, gratitude has a powerful advantage for you. Part of maturing in the Christian faith is realizing and starting to exude gratitude wherever you go. We become positive people instead of negative whiners moping around, making everyone else miserable. Do you you know anybody? (laughs) Do do you know anybody that like, dude, it's just, it's always one thing after another. The glass is always empty, right? And and, and you know that it, it can be gorgeous and beautiful outside. I mean, what a 70 degree day and it's sunny and the birds are chirping and they're like, we need rain. No, you need Jesus, and nobody wants to be around you. You know what I'm talking about. You see them coming, and what is your first reaction when you see them coming? Just keeping it real. I'm helping some of you out. If you, and again, I like, some of us, some of us might need counseling and medication. I'm not making fun of any of this. And there, there could be a lot of reasons why some people struggle to have friendship and community, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But like if you have a hard time making friends and you feel like nobody wants to be around you, 
Number one, it could be a number of reasons, right? It, it, it might not be this. But I wanna love you enough to let you know it could be this. It could be that nobody wants to be around you because you're always negative. You're always Debbie the Downer. And nobody, I'm telling you, ain't nobody got time for that. I'm just telling you, this world is tough. And this is why we love to be around grateful people. I got a family member. Let me, let me look at myself. Like, I mean, I, I come from this stuff. That's why I can talk about it. Um, I got a family member who will remain nameless, who every time you're around this person, it's negative. It's, it's, it's Eeyore, it's the negative complex. And what I've tried to do now, every time I'm around that person, the moment they start, I interrupt them. <laughs> I know you're not supposed to interrupt somebody, but there are times when you need to interrupt somebody, I'm just saying. I interrupt them and I start talking about the positive. And I start, I start casting vision for the positive. And I'm telling you, in like a matter of five or 10 minutes, they're laughing and they're positive. This stuff can get so ingrained in us that we actually forget. We actually are unaware. Self-awareness is key. We're actually unaware of how negative we are. And you're like, okay, well, if we're unaware, how do we work on this? Here you go, here you go. Ask somebody. Ask somebody who loves you and will tell you the truth. Sit down across from them and say, hey, yo, what's it like to work with me? That takes courage. We just sang a song, Take Courage. There's some courage for you. <laughs> what, what's, it, what's it like to work across from me? Hey, in the right moment, you gotta be careful with this one. In the right moment, ask your spouse. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you better pray to Jesus before you ask him. <laughs> Say, hey, yo, what, what, what? hey, we're in a good place right now. I wanna ask you an honest question. Don't use this time to beat me up, but like, what's it like to be married to me? Take courage, my heart. <laughs> Be steadfast, my soul. He's in the, oh, I'm singing in church. Woo! <laughs> You're gonna need some courage, man. But ask somebody that, that you love and make sure they love you. Don't ask a negative enemy. Ask somebody that loves you. Am I a positive person or am I a negative person? They love you, they will tell you. And the reason I keep talking about it being a habit is because it's really, really important that it becomes a habit. And it's really, really important that you practice it even when you don't feel it. Amen. This is a principle that I've taught you a number of times over the last 18 years, and I will teach you this from time to time. It is so important. It's called do to be. Everybody say do to be. One more time like you mean it. Do to be. Do to be. I'm saying it fast, I know. Do to be. If you get in the habit of being, being grateful, even when life is harder, you just don't feel it because we all don't feel it, right? I mean, can I tell you the number of times I've driven to church on Sunday? And I, on Sunday, I said. On Sunday. And I didn't want to do it, right? But you, you do to be. You practice gratitude as a discipline. And before you know it, guess what? You're grateful. It's due to be. So important. Number four, <laughs> remember that grit series we just came out of not long ago? Gratitude builds 
Grit. Coach K referred to it as resilience, remember? Gratitude builds grit. And you'll recall in that series, I said almost every Sunday in that series, it's not your looks that'll set you apart. It's not your pedigree that'll set you apart. It's not what school you went to that'll set you apart. It's not your capacity, even though all of those things are important. What will set a woman or a man apart is their grittiness. Listen to me. Gratitude builds grit. Research has shown that grateful people do better in life. We actually see this in the ancient text in Philippians. Paul was in a prison cell. Do you know how long he was there? By the time he wrote this, he was going on four years. He was facing beheading from that evil dictator named Nero. Paul is in it. It can't get any harder than this. I've been to his jail cell, by the way. It was underground. It was dark. It was wet. It was mildew, fungus, all that stuff. Nothing in there, no light. Paul's stuck in there. And under candle, he's probably able to write this scripture that you know so well. And I want you to read this one really loud. Philippians 4.13, go. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. One more time. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This comes from a man who was facing death and had been in a miserable prison cell for four years. Think about it. Just let that settle in for a moment. What's, what's the answer? How did he do that? Jesus. Did you hear me? How did he do that? Jesus. The Bible teaches us that Philippians mentions, get you some of this church, Jesus 40 times in 104 verses. Jesus is mentioned 40 times in Philippians in 104 verses. That means Jesus is mentioned once every 2.5 verses. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus is the answer to lock your life into. The message is clear from the Apostle Paul. Thanksgiving empowers us to do almost anything with almost nothing. Oh, my Lord. Thanksgiving empowers us to do almost anything with almost nothing. Number five, and we'll wrap up. Gratitude creates community. Gratitude creates community. And this, I won't do it again, but this kind of goes back to the fact that if you, if you are an Eeyore and everything is negative, nobody wants to be around you. But if you are a person of gratitude and thanksgiving, there's always a face. People want to be around you. Here's another interesting fact from the research on gratitude. Gratitude is a social issue. Gratitude always has a face. Here's a universal truth. Everyone likes to be around someone thankful. And most people don't like to be around someone who is unthankful, unless they themselves are ungrateful. Why? Because misery enjoys comfort. We've all heard that. But I just believe that the people called New Hope are different in a very anxious world. 
One of my prayers, and it's a, it's a prayer to, for me, seriously, is that the people called New Hope will leave campuses every single Sunday as some of the most joy-filled people on the planet. And the way you do that is you lock into this daily discipline, this habit of gratitude. And that's my prayer for all of us because this subject is so important to me. I've come out of environments where everybody was negative, everybody was defeated, everybody was pessimistic. Grateful people love to hang out with grateful people. So, so here's what I want you to do uh, as we kind of wrap up today. I wanna, I wanna ask you to do an exercise. I want us to do something right here in church. So many of you are taking notes, which is awesome. You can do it on your teaching notes, or you can take out your phone. It might be a little, more, uh, a little more permanent on your phone. I want you right now to start making a Thanksgiving list. Like, type or write what you are most thankful for. Just, just jot it down. Just list them as they come, just as fast as you can. Some of you might not be writers or typers, but I see you thinking about it in your head. Jesus would surely be on that list. Can I get an amen? Holy Spirit. But take it, take it, take it deeper than that. Take it lower than that. Who are the people? Oh, this is a beautiful sight, actually. Who are the people in your life for whom you are so grateful and eternally indebted? Just keep going until I say amen. You can keep doing this later, of course. But we make this list, oh God, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now here's the application. I, I, I got you to go ahead and start the exercise before I gave you the application. Here's the application. Make a Thanksgiving list. You've already started it. Regularly. And look it over, adjusting it as God blesses your life. Call it your Thanksgiving list. Review it in the morning if you're a morning person. A great thing to do is before you go to sleep, review it. What are you thankful for in that day? And as God blesses your life and life changes, adjust your Thanksgiving list. But if you will do that for 30 to 60 days, in time, you will have developed the habit and the discipline of being grateful. And when you develop the habit and the discipline of being grateful, guess what? Your whole perspective in life changes. Like, what do you mean perspective? Here's an example. Some of you are going to leave some of our campuses today. And because we're growing and we're, we're in this series and it's a new year, you're going to be in a parking lot that can be crazy, crazy, crazy. Right? And if you're at the Durham campus, you just need to know we have a third driveway coming in. It's going to help things. We're working on it. But, but here's the deal. You're in the car and, and here's one perspective. Dadgummit! 
can't stand this parking lot. All these people, all these cars. How in the world, what, when are they gonna fix this? Or, 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 wow. Thank you, God. Thank you that I get to go to a church where there are parking problems. Gratitude changes your perspective. Thankful people experience higher levels of positive emotions such as joy, enthusiasm, love, and optimism. Check this out. Thanksgiving as a discipline protects us from the destructive impulses of anxiety, often manifesting itself in envy, resentment, greed, and bitterness. So I challenge you. I encourage you. It's a big statement that I'm about to say, but this is just what I believe. You could disagree with me. Very few messages, and I might widen it to say very few series, but very few messages have the potential to change the trajectory of your life than what you've just heard today. I believe that in the core of my being. So be grateful. Learn the discipline of thanksgiving. Give it daily. Spread it everywhere you go, especially to the negative people you encounter. And you watch your anxiety and your depression go down as your joy goes up. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen from the church? Come on, if you receive it, let the Lord know you do. Thank you, Father. This is your word. Come on and pray with me. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. God, I pray that a spirit of gratitude would fall all over the people called New Hope, God. And as the world goes more and more anxious, and people become more and more mean-spirited, and liars keep lying, and haters keep hating. Oh, God, may the New Hope movement be a, a movement of joy. May it be a movement, oh God, that spreads contagiously throughout Central North Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina, Kenya, Haiti, and beyond, wherever we go. May joy go before us because, because, because. We have learned to practice the discipline such that it becomes a habit of gratitude. Oh, God, make us thankful. Keep us at the foot of the cross so that we never, ever forget how good you've been to us. Keep us at the foot of the cross with one foot firmly on planet Earth and one foot firmly in heaven, oh God, so that we know that regardless of how bad it gets, you hold the future and it will be good. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.